Jim Joyce. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And it's funny, I was just catching up with uh, our dear friend, Steve Sanchez. Um, and he was saying, it's Wednesday. I look forward to the shot. Um, but his beef with this whole thing is, you know, I say Jim Joyce and it just kind of rolls off the tongue. He's like, how come Jim doesn't say Eugene Borovich? It's Wednesday. <laughs> Borovich, I love it. No, I gotta start doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get it. your practice on. And I did. Did anyone? Did you? Were you ever called Gino? No, no Gino. But um, I have had people call me Gene, and to me, Gene is a different name. Like my name is Eugene, right? Um, actually, for maybe some of the listeners slash viewers, my real uh, the old USSR Ukrainian name is Yevgeny which when my parents immigrated to uh, US, we lived yeah. in a very Hispanic neighborhood. And so I went to register to school as a 13 year old kid, right? And they're like, Yevgeny, sounds like Eugenio. So you're Eugene, so there you go. You know, oh, that, that's, that's how it came about. This yeah, but a lot of Yevgenys are Eugenes in US, so. Okay, Eugenie, I like that's, it, Eugenie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, we there's other people that just kind of kept that and went to short Yevi. I kind of actually like that, to be honest. I wish yeah, yeah. I, I might change it on you again. Yeah, like I had a good cousin growing up, Gino. He was a tough bastard. He was a tough bastard. He was a lovely guy. Lovely guy. <laughs> well, I, I won't reminisce on my New York days, but uh, there was a very Irish neighborhood above the very Spanish neighborhood uh, in New York. So I used to hang out with lo lo lots of lots of people up and down the Manhattan uh, <laughs> uh, neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm forgetting the name of it, but uh, I'm sure people that are from New York remind, will remind us. Um, by the way, another week, another SPAC, uh, I, uh, Allied Baby Care. Yeah. Uh, so it's the. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got the, I yeah. just got the prospectus over. Someone just sent it on to me. It was beautifully written. It oh, was, yeah. Uh, I have, I haven't read it, to be honest. I've, I've looked at others, but not this one. It's a phenomenal presentation and how they're thinking about it. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I don't know. I mean, I remember seeing the company. Do you know much about the company? I mean, I've seen it, but I'm not an expert. Um, no. So I, I've interacted with some of the folks in the company back in the day, um, but not not any time recent these days. I actually knew one of the uh, earlier investors uh, in the company, so I'm sure they're they're excited for the uh, for the ticker symbol. <laughs> this the guts of the marketplace right now is phenomenal, right? That people are just charging ahead. The way everyone, you know, the way the world is investing, public markets are getting activated like SPAC and everyone's waiting for the crash on the other side, right? Is that the kind of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, and today was another announcement of, a, I think, a 1.6 billion fund, um, Oak, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy. I've heard, I heard people are buying, like I was listening to my CNBC today. I heard people are buying houses in Florida, like 32 people are bidding on houses in Florida that they've never even seen. Like they're just buying them online because because cash is so uh, wow. cheap. That's, that's awesome. Love it. 32 people though. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd pick I other places too, but. I just heard, I just heard it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> um, so I'm excited for today. I was actually trying to figure out if I can like have like walk-in 
virtual walk-in music for 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 this amazing gentleman but um i think we're gonna have to do it in different ways so uh joining us the the man of this hour at least or so yep. is ritesh patel i'm pumped about this I've, me too me too i, I needed a bit of music he's got hey, that's hey, a hey. serious microphone he's got there right jim it's phenomenal. It's incredible. What the heck is that? Where'd you get it? Like uh, the Death Star or something? So this this was uh, Dan Kendall's uh, recommendation. And uh -huh. I don't know if you heard me like doing a little bop. I was trying to figure out how to through Zoom to like play a little bit of like welcome to the stage music for Ritesh Patel. <laughs> um, and and, be, and and I even found your hold on. Where the hell is it? Um, <laughs> your your Sunday music uh, that right. you spin. I was gonna yeah. play that, but I'm you know I I don't prepare for this. I'm sure yeah. as Jim doesn't. So you know, <clears throat> it's all good, guys. It's all good. Thank you so much. Thank you. How are I, things going? How I was crushed going? that I missed your, you were at, you were doing the DJing at the Health Excel event, you know, back in when there was still sun, some sunshine in Ireland, but, but they had me on some other ones. So I missed the whole DJ online event. How did that go? It went well. We learned a lesson or two around that, which is it's, it's difficult to have music going on and trying to have people also have a conversation particularly because the sound and the way the zoom thing works, whoever's got the sound going becomes the main person. Right. Right. So if I'm playing music in the background, I'm the only one visible, even if everybody else is talking and then you've got these flashes of little speaker things. So unless you keep it in gallery mode, yeah. you know, those, so, but it was good. Yeah. We learned a bit. And I think, uh, Martin and Chandana were saying, well, maybe we'll do it again, but maybe not the way we decided. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are testing, before we get into your introduction, right, real quick, because uh, we're on that topic, um, uh, Robin, uh, and I can never pronounce her last name, and she'll kick my ass for it, mm -hmm. Fafarian, I think that's how you pronounce it, Robin. That's right, so, yeah. Um, she invited me to one of those rooms where it's like, it's a layout of a room. And you can literally like walk around and get That's closer right. to a corner. And so if you, Ritesh, were spinning there, you actually start hearing the music. That's but right. as you walk back and you yeah, can you join under the table, I was loving it. I, you know, I just, you know, trying to find some more use cases, but there's yeah. other, a lot of innovation coming in there. But StreamYard does the same thing as well. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I don't remember off the top of my head, yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm sure I'll tag Robin in this and she'll say, you butchered my last name. Um, <laughs> and you got and the I'll whole say, thing welcome wrong. To the, yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hear your, your introduction. Uh, yes. But I, we got to get into music right away. I'm getting right into music. <laughs> There you go. Well, you know, I can, I can certainly see what I can do. Hang on one second. If I have it, I may not have it on here. I've, I've got a whole studio set up downstairs. Okay. So uh, that's where I usually get all that stuff done. But if I can nope. manage it. Uh, one, give me, give I, me I love how second. we're uh, keeping our viewers and listeners on the edge to even introduce Ritesh. 
like yeah, the man, exactly. like, the mystery. Who the hell is that guy, and yeah. why is he? You know, DJ Digital Health. I, and I, I know when I was saying the music. Also, I was saying, I know I, I just wanted to start talking music. You know, because yeah. music, sure. music been, has been like it's kind of. I think it's saving me through this whole thing, man. It's kinda, but anyways, let, let's hear about let's hear, for our listeners, for our millions of Joe Rogan style listeners. Let's hear about Tesha's background. Like, tell introduce her yourself. Thanks, sir. So, uh, Ritesh Patel, <laughs> thank you for uh, allowing me to join you today. I am the Chief Digital Officer at Ogilvy Consulting, which is the consulting arm of Ogilvy, but I also do a lot of work with Ogilvy Health, the agency where we're doing a lot of innovation work. Um, I've been with Ogilvy seven years now. It's coming up to seven years. Uh, they've put up with me for that long. Hopefully, they'll put up with me for a bit longer. Is, is it the uh, same seven-year itch? Yeah, you no. know, who knows? <laughs> they may, they may have it. You know, <laughs> you can never tell. You know, you get. I do start to panic a little bit when you get the email of the CEO wants to talk to you urgently, and can you do it in ten minutes? And then you go, okay, is this the time? Right? You know, <laughs> will they? You know, will the HR and legal person be on the call with me? You know, that sort of thing. So. Um, but anyway, been, back to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's all good, Eugene. I've been I've been in this mad industry since 2009. I joined healthcare. Literally, my first week, I was sent down to the FDA hearings down in DC, where they were doing the hearings on social media use, which is where I met Schwen, Brad Pendergraph, John Mack, Sally Church, Mark Monceau. And who I call the OGs of the original social media, uh, John Pugh was there as well from mm -hmm. BI. You know, so so that's that's basically me. Um, I live in Montclair, New Jersey, which is an enclave of uh, Park Slope, Brooklyn, in New Jersey, because uh, all of my neighbors <laughs> are from Park Slope, Brooklyn. It seems to be go from New York to Brooklyn to Montclair. You know, so um, and I've been in, in America for twenty years. I grew up in Kenya. In East Africa, and then we moved to London when I was a, when I was a boy, and uh, I came here in the eighties, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, uh, yeah. to seek that, my fame and fortune. That, that's why, even though I've known you for years, when I listened to the Health Excel podcast when, when, uh, that you were on, um, I, I mean, not that we've sort of covered your whole history when we've met, but like I had no idea that you were born in Kenya, right? Like, I, it, it was like a fascinating fact. It was in, in, you know, it was interesting. And the more I think about it and remember those times, and it's crazy, you, you know, you get those snippets of memories come through. And it's like when I was peeling a mango the other day just to make a mango shake. And that smell took me back to when I was a kid going to school. And we literally, if we're hungry, we'd just pick a mango off the closest mango tree. We're walking past and peel it and eat it on the way to school, right? Yeah. You know, so there's some smells and tastes and things that bring some memories back. Right. Uh, that's fascinating. And yeah, there you go. That's a great memory, right? <laughs> Have you been back to Kenya? No, 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 not at all. In fact, we're still, we have some cousins who were left there. They, they I think they just retired and moved to Tanzania. Okay. Um, but most everybody left and moved to London. Okay. So, okay. Uh, you know, here's the craziest thing. When you talk to fellow Indians here or anywhere in the world, they go like, how long have you been? You know, when's the last time you're in India? I've only been to India once and it was for seven days and that was it. And they're wow. sort of, what? I'm like, because it was never home for me. London was home. You know, India, I, I don't know anything about it. My parents probably, but not me, so. 
yeah, but yeah, yeah, I haven't been back. India, like, because because we probably been, I probably been to India more than seven days. <laughs> I probably been to like. <laughs> I've, I've even I've even seen pictures of you crashing a party of some sort, Jim. <laughs> I, I think so. Is this something we should know about Jim? Like, wait, hold on, you crash parties? No, in, in like What's this this here, traditional Jim? outfit. Like, it yeah, was amazing. Really? Actually, I think I've even seen you like dancing at it or wow. something. Wow. No, I'm, yeah. I'm a big India file, if that's such a thing. In India. Interesting. <laughs> amazing. 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 Well, I find I find that growing up, like, as you know the influence of Indian Americans, you know, like, like I'm, I, I'm not Irish American, but I'm American Irish. So meaning I've, I'm an American that's moved to Ireland. Mm. So, so we, so the Irish Americans are famous, but the influence that, you know, people descended from India or whether they're first generation or second generation on the U S is just, you can't even calculate the, the impact on the sciences and engineering and yeah. industry. And it just, they're, they're just, and then, and so you have this, uh, you know, the perception culturally is perception of a very, you know, this, you know, like the, the top of the top, I mean, just looking through, you know, schools everywhere else. And then when you go to India, the, the, what's fascinating to me there is just the kind of it, the feeling you get at coming in, the, the gentleness of, um, of the people and the kindness and the, you just feel this, you know, it, it just, it's almost in their faces and how they look, and obviously it's a, it's a cultural, you know, you can't, you know, I don't know the culture that well, but. Mm -hmm. You're just a feeling you just feel very welcome and very you know you walk into the street so yeah my wife my wife hates it i cook for the neighbors and <laughs> take them food she's like why are you cooking for these people what's wrong with you you know <laughs> stop doing this it's costing us a fortune i'm like i cook but i cook too much so i just like to give it to people who like food right you know so uh, speaking speaking of food so we we sort of introduced you as this super duper dj um and then you're talking about food and i just salivate like especially like towards the weekends when i see your instagram account i'm like oh he's at it again i mean it looks amazing so Actually, Shren does a better job than i do i think on weekends i don't know huh. all I right I'll, Shven, Shven is all all like beautiful briskets lots yeah. of meats and yeah. stuff but i i like your colored variety um Thank you. so just but what's your you you also have a restaurant yeah, so I never got a chance to visit, unfortunately, but yeah, uh, well, you know, we'll get there. Just open a new one in Jersey City. We took over an Italian joint in Jersey City that's now been okay. converted as well, uh, called the Brick Lane Curry House. Uh, so okay. there's three of them now. There's one in New York on Fifth Street and Second Avenue, which is the original. It's been there for 20 years or so. But about 10 years ago, I got tired of crappy Indian food here in Montclair. And so there was a thing that was up for rent. I was walking past it, called the guy up and said, hey, you'd like to rent this place. Uh, came home, Mrs. said, you did what? <laughs> you know. Uh, and then called uh, Sati, who runs the, who was the founder and owner of the Brick Lane in New York. He said, hey, how'd you like to have a restaurant in New Jersey? Uh, and that's how we got going. So yeah, side, couple of side gigs, music and food for sure. Uh, and all I mean, for the two things bringing decent curry, you know, two things that bring people together, right? Like yeah. food and music yeah. and your foray into digital health as far as like access and connecting people. I mean, this is all in the same train. I, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, it's a cultural thing, I guess. Yeah, it was, you know, it and I, it's I met Sati, who runs the one in New York 20 years ago when I started a, a monthly 
curry club because curry is ubiquitous in England, right? You know, there's no town in England that doesn't have a local curry house. Right. So I come here and every place I tried was useless. And there's a whole bunch of Brits. There's about 10 of us in Manhattan. We were like, you know, we've got to find a decent place. So we tried place after place every month. And then we found this joint. It was on 6th Street, tucked away in a corner. And it was incredible. We were like, this is like home curry. Yay, we found the place. And so every month, you know, we used to get together and word started to spread that there's this curry club. Uh, going on where they found decent curry we should join it and so i started getting emails and all sorts of things yeah. and so um that's how i met the met sati the owner of the brick lane so that's what this is all about you know awesome. but again getting people together over decent food that's all it is right? so you're able to cover six restaurants this big job at ogilvy DJing, you know, you're like Elon Musk. And, and that's not all. I don't know if you know this, Jim. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know how I came across. Um, uh, Ritesh, you and Kyle um, are also having a YouTube show um, uh, with the OGs of social media, right? Am I correct? Actually, I watched one or two with Jeff Dachi's. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it. the, yeah. it's the OGs of Web 1.0. So... So I came to America to come work for agency.com. Uh, before that, I was I was uh, head of IT for La Meridian Hotels in England. So I was an IT guy running IT for hotel systems. And I'd hired a French company to build our website. And um, then we got acquired in a hostile takeover. So I had to call this guy in Paris and say, listen, you know, I'm not your client anymore. These new guys have come in, meet so-and-so. They're going to pay you and they're going to take this over. And he replied, well, I don't really care either because I've just sold my business to these Americans for a lot of money. uh, And I'm going into the sunset and go hang out in Nice. So you should go call these guys. And (laughs) so we got talking and uh, I came here and uh, started working for agency.com, which... uh, and it's a weekly show, and it all started again in similar fashion. One night, just like Eugene, we have chats now and again on on WhatsApp or whatever. Kyle Shannon was one of the co-founders of Agency.com, and he said, "You know, I'm getting old. I'm I'm, I'm missing stories, or I'm having gaps. I, and people tell me I should write a book, but I've got ADHD. I can't write a book." So I said, "Well, why don't we just do a weekly show? We'll just grab people and." tell their stories. Let, let's get them to tell the stories and we'll archive it all. And he said, that's a great idea, which you should have been there. That's what we should call it. <laughs> Didn't think anything else of it. Right. Cause we'd had a couple of gin and tonics each side, right? <laughs> About three weeks later, I get a, a WhatsApp. Hey, I've registered the URL. I've got StreamYard account. I've got YouTube. I've got a website. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So yeah, we started it. We have got episode 12. I think this week's going to be very cool because we're interviewing Tom Watson, who was one of the originals at Omnicom, who invested in 1994. He was looking around and seeing these little startups that were starting to really kill the big agencies and taking a lot of digital work away from the big agencies. And so he started sniffing around and convinced John Wren at Omnicom that maybe we should look at this. This thing seems to be getting big. And that's how they started investing. So Tom Watson invested in agency.com, Razorfish, and Organic. Okay. And so the only people who made a lot of money in those days 
Omnicom. <laughs> <laughs> they took all three companies public, made a fortune. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me a little bit about your practice, your your Ogilvy uh, digital health practice. Like, what's what are you working on? What's fascinating? What are you seeing? So you know, last couple of years, when we started, it was mainly around pharma and helping pharma companies change, yep. transform, use digital for marketing. Ogilvy, we were very clear we wanted to stay very narrow on what we could own, which is brand marketing, customer experience, transformation of that experience, you know, that sort of thing. So how do you as a brand engage in this digital world? What do you do about your customers? How do you do commerce? That sort of stuff. So we have automotive, financial services and healthcare as sort of big anchor, you know, areas. And for pharma, it was really around at that time, um, digital and social you know what can you do right there's lots of companies playing but nobody was really doing it from a scale right and so we worked with a number of companies to scale them across the world on using social primarily initially yeah now uh in the last year and a half two years it's really been about innovation how do you innovate right uh what can you do to change the model and that's when i you know when i ran into eugene first like real in-person conversation was in california uh what was it at um startup health i think eugene right um yeah i just i feel like i've known you for like 30 years dude yeah but, i know uh, right? <laughs> but I, I i don't I like i do remember I, i'm pretty sure it was in california yeah and, it was startup, startup health. health yeah yeah startup health and oh, you know, all roads because, leads to JPM, right? There you go. It was JPM and Startup <laughs> or Health Excel event. That's right. And uh, we were we were talking then. Um, it's all about you know our clients uh, were wrestling and are still are wrestling with digital therapeutics. Is it a companion? Is it a beyond the pill? Is it a standalone business? Do we do that? How do we do it? Yeah, exactly. Nowhere. Oh boy! <laughs> but there's more. Eugene, there's the host more. of this, yeah. runs a digital therapeutic podcast. Exactly. So like, where, like, if you were to look at in a, you know, like an asset, kind of a, a pseudo anonymized way, so you don't have to like convey, convey, you know, mm-hmm. um, what's the word? Uh, protect the guilty. But like, are like in terms? Well, of- there are some public ones, right? So look at J Labs and what Melinda Richter's done, right? Yeah. Great. Great got the C-suite to invest, create these, you know, J-Labs organizations. I don't know what value it provides, how much of it has gone into J-Labs. I'm not privy to any of that stuff, but I think that's a great model. It doesn't include the business though, because when you talk to the business guys within Janssen or or Johnson & Johnson, they're all sort of disconnected because there's also the J&J Innovation Design Studios, Okay. Right. So do I go to the design studio or do I go to J labs or does J labs bring something to me or, or that, right. You've got the Novartis biome that was launched, uh, French Mm Schwen and Robin Roberts and those guys and, you know, Jacob Laporte, who's done those. And again, uh, you know, very public, you can see it on the websites and everything. And from what I can, what I can ascertain, it's around getting the combination of the business and from conversations I've had with Schwen and Robin and people like that at last JPM, I think, Eugene, when we were uh, mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah, that was the last time we were traveling. That's right. January 2020. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was uh, it's a, a business user can go to the biome and say, I have a 
thing I want to do. And the biome will then be the facilitator of that. Do the workshop to really understand what the problem is. Go find a startup what, if there's one that's What did there Jacob call it? Because Jacob Sorry? was on it. I think he called it like an off-ramp. On-ramp yeah, off or off-ramp? Oh, no, on-ramp. He called it an on-ramp. An on-ramp. on-ramp. So on-ramp. On-ramp. Yeah. You to try to yeah make unfo- it unfortunately, it's always hard in all of these initiatives to find an off-ramp, right? But um, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. in general. He was, trying, he was trying to make it more like Singapore than New Jersey. You know? There you that's go. Right, exactly. That's right. That's right. Wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. Amazing memory. Um, <laughs> Why? What happened in Singapore? I want to know now. Forget that. Just, 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 there's no traffic. There's no, like I lived in New Jersey for a while. There's a few highways that kind of spinning around a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, don't don't get me started on the circles. We came from England. We're the originators of the roundabouts. People don't know how to use the circles here. It's crazy. Yeah, so there's uh, initiatives, but those are bold initiatives, right? They have uh, C-suite attention. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. they're being marketed well. Yeah. Uh, they have strong leaders inside them, right? Yeah. And it was funny, commercial side of pharma, if we're talking pharma specifically, was doing a lot of this up until about a year and a half ago. I don't know what happened. And I think it's that natural when commercial guys get good, they get promoted or rotated out to another country or do something, right? And then somebody else comes in and, oh, no, I don't understand. Shut this down. Let's go back to what we were doing whereby R&D was lagging, and now R&D and clinical has just zoomed ahead. AI, remote trials, remote patient management, real-world evidence collection with de- remote devices, and the commercial guys are still trying to figure out how to do social media. Right, so, right. you know, how the <laughs> pendulum turns, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, listen, no. I'm, 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 I'm writing a whole book and all that. <laughs> oh, you are? <laughs> Which I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time on it, uh, to be frank, with everybody who is watching. Just to but keep I, it up. I think until, I mean, it, it, for me, that's a massive sign, right? Like, like I always say that when you, when you think about pharmaceutical companies, you have to be inside the label. Like to be relevant, you have to be inside the clinical label. If you're outside the clinical label, you're irrelevant and you're fighting for, you know, any kind of mind share. But if you're in pharma and you're inside the label, compliance, regulatory, clinical sales, everyone is going to line up to it. So the, the research guys embrace it and embed digital tools into the research effort, you know, into the, you know, whatever it is, the companioning, then then it starts to get serious. But do you really think so, James? Because here's why I, I sort of little disagree with this. And here's why. Until the pandemic, I would have said yes, right? And sorry, until the pandemic, I would have disagreed with your apologies. Because... I remember having conversations in 2019 with brand marketers who were taking budget away from digital and putting it into the iPad and posters. And you're like, you know, it's 2019. Tell me how you consume content yourself personally. Oh, I get it on my phone. I use it. And I'm like, and now you're going to a poster. Explain to me how this works. Right. And the pandemic forced those changes, I think. So I, I think the issue is, Sometimes we hide very quickly behind medical, legal, and regulatory. They'll never allow us. We never go ask. So how do you know? And then secondly, sometimes we err to what's safe because it's a timing issue is what I'm fascinated about. You get maybe two or three years, four years as a brand manager till you get moved to another brand or do something bigger or whatever. 
So you got year one, you have to do something. Your budget cycle starts in September. So October time, you've got to sort everything out. In November, you've got to submit it. And then January comes along and you've got eight months to do something and you've got to go through the cycle again, right? right? So by year two, you're going, you know what? I've only got a couple more years. Let me just go back to what's safe and sound that works really well. I don't want to do anything innovative because I've got one more year of this. Yeah. And then I've got to go somewhere else, right? <clears throat> and, and, and by the way, if I invest the same, I'm picking a random number, 100K into the posters and the known campaigns, while it might be you know, marginally less as an ROI, it's still pretty predictable versus Correct. putting 100K into a startup relationship, right? I'm, Correct. I'm, again, I'm right. so... Correct. Correct. Right. Exactly. And they're, and they're terrified. They spend so much of their time, you know, in these medical legal re regulatory. Exactly. It, it feels to me like and still until it reaches. Well, so so the exception to that in pharma, in my view on it, and, and I've been outside of it for a while, they left me behind in Ireland. So I had to start up. I was in it. <laughs> but um, but I uh, but the exception is if you look at the tenure of a CEO, right, like in yep. pharma, yep. it's it's better than an NFL player. Like it's that's six, right. seven, eight years, right? Like that's it's right. Not, so that's enough time to embrace, you know, longer term thinking, right? You know, and then they, and they generally, you know, you fight to get them out of the seat. They want to be in there for a while because they quite like the job and it pays very well. So, but if you go through the rest of the ranks, if you go through the rest of the commercial ranks, it, it's these NFL assignments, it's two years, three years. And that's just not enough time to kind of, think long-term, right? Exactly. And the other thing is when you get promoted, so I can give you an example, 2010, we created a social media uh, site for mothers with children with CF because we figured out that the when you're a new mother, you've never heard of this thing and you're told by the doctor, your child has this and the lifespan could be this. Right. Your world has just ended. You think you're the only one, right? So we created a site uh, where we put mothers with in touch with other mothers, but also their doctor. So the doctor could be there for them and keep right. keep holding their hands. Lovely. And it was a closed environment. You had to be invited. The doctor invited you and told you you should come here and that sort of thing. And, and the pharma company wasn't involved. They just funded it. And it was sort of a nonprofit thing. The lady who did that won all sorts of awards internally, we won a Clio award for the best use of social media. Yes, I do have one of those somewhere around here. And then she got promoted. When the yep. new person came in, the first thing they did was shut that down because they didn't understand it. Right. <laughs> right? Not, like, not even well, that. It wasn't theirs, right? Yeah. They need to leave a mark behind. And that exactly. went with this woman. And it is what it is, right? Exactly. Like it's... Um, exactly. But yeah. the R&D people, though, they're longer term players. Yes. That's right. That's They're right. longer term players. So that's just the nature and pharma, like the pipelines yeah. and everything. So long term. Yeah. So the longer term thinkers actually exist inside the R&D labs. You know, that's they right. exist on the commercial side. That's right. So you see these ups and downs. You know, I talked to Schwen quite a bit about doing a similar show of the OGs of social media and pharma. And maybe that's what you guys should do next. Get two or three of those guys on right. and talk about those days, because I go to meetings sometimes and I'll go, wait this is deja vu and I'll dust off a presentation from 2010 and I'll give it, I won't change it. I've just changed the date on the title and I give that presentation. We'll go, wow, that's amazing. Right. right. Yep. So yeah, it ebbs and flows. I think. So, you know, it's interesting. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But Jim, I do agree with you. I think the R and D guys are a lot longer term and they think long term as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, 
that's that's the market we're living in, right? I gave this but presentation. I gave this presentation once. I walked into a company and they'll they'll rename name they'll name <laughs> remain nameless. remain nameless. <laughs> there you go. I did it for you. There you go, Eugene. Sometimes you've got to help him because I think your whiskey is better than his. His looked white, so he's I think he's having milk. Irish coffee. He's drinking, oh, he's drinking milk. He's drinking milk. Really? <laughs> the um, but is I walked into a presentation. I said, they said, listen, Jim. You know, we've heard you're involved in digital health tech, and you have this company. And I said, can you give us an example of your implementation? And I described this beautiful implementation and how we built, you know, one of the largest examples of an injectable adherence tool and rolled it out to multiple countries. We have beautiful data and it's spanning there and, the, and they were fascinated by it. They were like, this is phenomenal. We need something like this. You know, can you, can you tell us the name of the company? And I'm like, yeah, it's your company, you know, and there was a team, there was a team of people, there was a team of people, there was 10 people all with digital health after their titles and launches in there. And I was telling them about it. They're like, we've been Listen, looking for this. Where would we find it? But, but again, it. as much as I'm, I'm talking about this in the pharma space, this is really almost any large organization that gets beyond a certain size, right? There's innovation happens at the edges. There's innovation happens at the core. There's operations happen at the edges and, operations happen at the core it, it's the nature of the beast right it's uh but yeah i, I work i have one the the theme, sorry the jim theme. go on go on jim the theme, the theme that eugene wanted to ask you which is like bringing the human the human back to health right that was the theme that you want to ask yeah, yes uh let me give you one more story and then i think this is an important thing that we should talk about particularly you two guys because you've been doing this health tech thing for so long what is that which one is it uh, Dude, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Nice. For the, for the listeners, Glenn Levitt yes. 12. Well done. You know, I think I'm going to have to send you a Japanese one as a gift. I, I've had it, so I, yeah. you know, but, but thank you. I, I won't yeah. say no. I, yeah, I think I'll, <laughs> you need to up your game a little bit. So we'll have to send you a Japanese one for these shows. Only for these shows, though. You can't drink it any other time. You just got to do it on, on camera. Okay. To be frank, this is yeah. my only drinking night. Okay. This good. is it. This is when I do it. <laughs> so anyway. So I have one non, uh, non I have two non-healthcare clients. Uh, one of them is a shipping company called Wallenius Wilhelmsen, based in uh, uh, Sweden. Uh, family-owned business, two families, the Wallenius's and the Wilhelmsons. Uh, same issue. We, I worked with the CIO to help him create an internal digital accelerator uh, innovation, innovation group. It was him originally, just him, right? So me and him were working for the CEO. And we came up with a couple of prototypes. We did a thing with Microsoft HoloLens. But you can imagine it's an old shipping company with processes that were developed, as the CEO says, in 1631, when the ships were going out, picking up trade and then bringing it back. Yeah. You know, there's lots and lots of paperwork and they're going through the same thing. And then as we started looking around, we saw lighthouses of little projects all over the place at the edges, as you say, Eugene, you know, there's a guy on port operations. So there were the way it works is all they, they ship primarily cars, right? So they work for the OEM. So as the car comes off the production line, a Wilhelmson employee takes it over and makes sure it gets to the dealer. So they manage the end-to-end -end from the car leaving the production line to arriving at the dealer. So anything that's in between, they do it, right? The person 
who literally picks the car up is a Wilhelm Wilhelmson person, puts it into the truck. The truck driver is a Wilhelmson driver. They take it to the port, the container, the ship, the other end, the trailer, the dealer, right? And dropping it off. So there's port operations where they have to count the cars. There's guys with clipboards that were walking around. So one youngster said, why don't we use iPads and maybe a drone or something? Right, right. <laughs> That's what they did. So there's little innovations everywhere. Now, what used to take three days to count 300 cars in a clipboard and tack, 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 these many Benzes, these many Toyotas, a drone does in six minutes. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Listen, the people's creativity, right? And and yeah. and, and and a little bit of the the humans, right? I mean, if we think about kind of e-patient movements and things like that, <clears throat> bringing us as the, and, and actually like less and less, I'm actually liking that term of digital health because, right. you know, everything needed a buzzword, but I, I don't know, like these lines are melding. And at the end of the day, you know, the three of us here and the viewers and the listeners, we're human beings and it's about our health, right? And, and yep. well-being. Uh, and yep. and I, I think that's the, that's the key. We talk about digital therapeutics. Really, is it? It's just a therapeutic. If you market it as a therapeutic, take the digital word out of it. It's just a new way of doing something, right? So why are we labeling it as a digital therapeutic? Because what that connotates to the pharma company or to the patient is this is something new and unique and different. And right. maybe I should be wary when it could be a great benefit. You don't know, right? Uh, you look at that FDA-approved contraception thing, which is an app and a, and a uh, temperature gauge in essence, really, right? Um, you shouldn't call it a digital therapeutic. It's just one way for you to do contraception if you don't want to take a pill, right? That's It's healthcare. Um, and the second piece I think we're missing, a lot of these healthcare things are failing because we're missing the human piece of it. We're really missing the, we're missing out on the care teams. We're missing out on the caretakers. We're missing out on the spouses, the nurses. We're, we're, we're saying to the patient here, this will help you manage your health. And the patient goes, all right, I'm dying of cancer. You've given me this great thing. My nurse knows nothing about it. And she's telling me to do something completely different or nobody's telling me how to do it or live with it or whatever. So I think we need to start to figure out where does the human belong in this thing? How do we make sure the human interaction is there? And what value can we bring across that use case so that the, the product, just like any other product, is used properly in a way that will be meaningful? Um, so that's the kick I'm on at the moment, is getting more humans involved in this digital uh, healthcare world and not calling it, to your point, Eugene, digital health. It's just health. Right. It's managing your health. And there's a number of things you can do to manage your health, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the term digital health will really even get to the masses, right? Yeah. Um, it'll just become, uh, and it's funny because I saw, I think, Vishal Gulati's comment, um, something around like <clears throat> either digital therapeutics or digital health. Like He's like, if, it's, if it has, brings the outcomes and it makes money, nobody's going to care what it's called, right? right? Like, that's so that's it. Yeah, I feel like the the insiders and the elite, which I'll put you guys in this category of visual, they've been trying to call the death of digital health for ages. You know, like I remember sitting, I remember sitting with um in California eight years ago and I was doing a digital health panel. And then, you know, one of the experts kind of like, Jim, give me a break. It's not digital health, it's just health, you know. And and I actually think so I'm a I'm kind of a bull on the word digital health in the sense that 
that we're going through this transformation. So yeah. it needs a name, yeah. it needs a code, yeah. absolutely. Needs a, you know, a language, and um, you know, in, in a way. But it also it, needs to disappear, right? That's the point. And yeah, it needs to it, it needs to disappear or evolve. Maybe instead of disappear, you know, um, you fair, know, fair, it, fair. <laughs> you know, so so meaning it's been it, it it's it's for me it's kind of it serves really. Uh, useful purpose right you know it's like hey this is a new kind of company there's a new kind of tech you know do you think it's more of because we as human beings in general like to sort of label things no matter where we are so it sort of enables us to get our head around it rather than anything else but then let me ask a question for you jim so apple watch as an example it's a lifestyle thing really it happens to have these features that helps you manage your health and they're getting better and better. I've been a naysayer of the thing that's on Eugene's wrist for about two years now. Which one? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, it's a toy. It's not clinical grade. It's not, you know, I don't buy it, all of this stuff, but they're getting there. And people I know, uh, I know a friend of mine went with just had open heart surgery he was provided in a live core EKG by his cardiologist, mm-hmm. but he just uses his watch. The live core EKG is like my 16 Fitbits in the drawer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I think it's, I think you're right. I think we like labels. We like tribes, you know, like I think yeah. about the, you know, like, like Eugene and I as buddies, you know, yeah, yeah. World, become friends. So we, you know, we bond over this theme of digital health. So we, so that makes us feel comfortable. I think we like labels, you know, we like to do there. And then, and then it's that balance. It's like, when does the label become enabling versus restrictive, right? Yeah. So if I, yeah. if I make it, like, I think at like, say my technology, you know, we've, in, we've in reinvented a basic patient support tool called a Sharpspin and actually, and it made it a digital patient tool. I actually think I went too far ahead. Really? So, yeah. So, so meaning my tech, which is phenomenal is it's it's not close enough to what the original tech watch was so it's almost like too far so i so i suffered you need an evolution not a revolution (laughs) exactly exactly so so even like my next in my next iteration of my tech actually starts to look more like the original one because interesting you know so i i agree with you 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 like by calling it oh this is a digital health tech and then all of a sudden i'm stuck in MLR committees that I would have loved to avoid, you know? Right, 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 right. That's only only roughly quarterly, so, you know. Well, it depends. I know, I'm kidding. kidding. First time I got into this, I remember my first meeting uh, at a a small company up in Indianapolis somewhere, and uh, they said, you know, we're going to meet the medical legal people, and everybody was very serious, and we had to give this past, and and I was like expecting, you know, very serious three people. There was three people, apparently three serious people coming in with books and case law and, you know, things to refer to and all of that stuff. And these three, two guys and a woman walk in, the woman's the doctor, the lead medical person, and the two guys are the legal guys. And we were presenting this website and the standing. Th- and then they said, wait, hold on. What does that say? Where does that lead to? And the guy turns to his friend. He goes, what do you think? Do you think we could allow that? Oh, I don't know. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, maybe we could. What? Yeah, let, look, I've, we've got another meeting. Yeah, let's just keep going. I left that meeting going, that was not medical legal that I know. <laughs> I was expecting to say, you can't do that because the law says, you know, on page 37, it didn't work out. We, the la- last week or the week, the last time we had a guest, not last week, but we had a guy named Jeff Berkowitz on, which I don't know if you know him, but um, so he uh, was a, an attorney by 
you know, trade, you know, by, by background and he went into pharma and then he built this phenomenal career in pharmaceutical on the commercial side and the business side. But you could see that, you know, his capacity to kind of use his legal skills throughout that and, and then gender trust yeah. was obviously hugely enabling his career. So Jim, let me ask you in what you're doing, do you think about the, when you started it, were you thinking about the tech or were you thinking about the patient and the things you could provide the patient that could be technically enabled? Can I answer your question? Can I answer that question? Yeah, go ahead. For you, for you, and then you correct me. So I actually remember the excitement of Jim Joyce. This was, I believe, at a Health 2.0 in London, where you came out with like this amazing graphic of the version 1.0 device. And I remember your words saying, how amazing will be the experience of that patient? It's very Apple-like, it's very usable, et cetera. So I, that's my two cents, you, okay. but you can answer your way. I mean, that, that, no, my feeling is, my feeling is, is I had implemented a lot of, I'd run a patient services organization for a long time. And yeah. my feeling was that the only thing that mattered was the capacity uh, for the patient to adopt it, uh, the easing of the burden, removing complexity. Um, it didn't have an app, it had one button on it. And I would say it had to be, you had to accidentally implement it correctly. That was my philosophy that if we, you by accident would implement it correctly. And so that was my thinking about it because I saw so many products die right. um, in on complexity and on, you know, complexity for the clinician, complexity for, you know, care teams in between complexities for the patients, whoever that was, you know, so that, that was my but thinking. But, but, you know, I think like as we all been in this digital health space, we've seen the market mature. And I think we even joked around. I, I think it was with Francesca that like now the suits are in, right? Like this is yeah, a real business. But the reason I bring this up as it matured, um, because there's something to be said of a tech push, right? There's this amazing thing. There's a sensor. There's this, whatever that might be, right? And it's actually that cross-disciplinary view of getting getting the patient view, getting the clinician view, getting. And so, I mean, it's no longer enough to have a tech geek start something for digital health in a, in their garage, whether it's in New Jersey, California, or Dublin, right? It's just not enough anymore. So was I- it ever enough? Was it ever enough? You know, with it, you, know. you know, you could argue, so I agree with you for the scaling of it, but th there was, I think, a time in the early days where just a lot of these ideas bubbling up and then yes, but I, I think just- but Ritesh, what are you thinking? What's your, you know, take on that? Or so, yeah. So I, I would, I would agree with Eugene. I think early on, I used to meet a lot of developers, software companies. So when I got into the innovation piece of this a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, I started saying, that again, you know, just like that web point 1.0, something's happening here. There's a lot of money starting to shift from consumer wearables and consumer-oriented devices that help me track my fitness or my diet into some clinical-grade stuff. So something's afoot. So I started talking to people in California initially, in Silicon Valley, some guys I know in VCs out there. I said, am I right? Is there something going on? No, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're starting to fund a lot more of the upstream clinical digital health kind of companies. But when I met the founders, in most cases, they were tech guys, right? They had a the first question, do you have a medical person on your staff, right? 
<laughs> no, yep. do we need one? The second question, then I knew we were in trouble. The second question was, do you know HIPAA? Do you know what that means, right? If they said no to that, then you knew you were in trouble. Um, but I think nowadays, uh, Eugene's right, more maturity in the market. Teams are being put together with medical people as advisors or on staff. In the last year, I've seen a lot more healthcare professionals leaving practice to start right. their own startups, or they've started it internally, like um, uh, Amit Gear. Amit was the head of formulary and pharmacy for OSF. So he was running the thing, right? Came up with this idea of, we will deliver your prescription medicine to you within two hours. Yep. 50 states. Went out, did it, got OSF as the first client, put it together, and he's now running it. Right. And it's just launched it in the There's market. There's also, I just recently reconnected uh, with Avi Mera, uh, Dr. Preneurs, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. if, if you think about it, that whole movement of doctors, entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Um, and leaving, unfortunately, on one side, leaving the practice right. of medicine. On the other side, taking their clinical knowledge to improve that practice of medicine, yeah. right? So. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot more people looking for technology partners now. Before it was the tech guy starting something, looking for a medical person. Now I'm seeing a lot more, hey, I get an email now and again. Hey, I'm looking for a CTO. If you know anybody, I've got this startup I'm doing, you know, and it's a doctor. So it's fascinating. Awesome. Fascinating. We had a term on one, on one of the podcasts where we were, we, well, we self-declared ourselves health artists. Oh, I like that. That's great. When did you declare that? I, I, I that was that with memory. Gautam. Was it? That was, with that was with Gautam Gulati on, yeah. on the show, I think. I missed that one. How is he, by the way? I haven't seen him in ages. He's, he's so. doing great. And he's um, he's got his own podcast. It is brilliant. I'm addicted it? to it. Uh, okay. Superhumans. It's amazing. Very well produced. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I actually, Jim, have a question for Eugene, because as you know, uh, among the three of us, he's the obvious superstar. He's always been out there. You know, we've got to, somebody. When you when you went to a conference, everybody, you know, Eugene. Oh wow! I'm like, I met him once. I'm, I'm going to start blushing, well. and it's not the Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you were G4A. You did all of this. You brought startups together. You did hackathons. You did all of this stuff, and there was a lot of buzz three, four years ago. It, what have you seen that's changed? in your view, based on what the experience you had with pharma, particularly, because that was an amazing experience and an amazing thing you put together, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the very short version of it, um, back to this maturity level. Um, and I think what I would like to define though here is it's a maturity level of a particular organization or a sub-organization of the big beast, right? Because okay. that's a little bit what you said. Um, so I think at a more global level, and we've seen these changes happen all the time, right? Still to this day, it's like the pendulum is swinging. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality is, and I, you know, thank you for, you know, being on, on the Ogilvy, right? The forecast or the predictions for 2021. I raised the question, does pharma need yeah. to change? Really? Right. Um, and, and I was being a little facetious. Yes. Right. But I think the short answer to you, uh, while things have changed at a core of it and at a business model of it, things stayed the same so yeah. far. Yeah. 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 What yeah. do you think, Jim? Yeah, no, I, it's it, it. That's that's the question right now. So I think I think we they now have a bigger role in society. Mm. They have the only global distribution of healthcare. I always thought that was unique about pharma. So if digital health ultimately 
gets standardized and rolled out globally, you know, pharma has a massive role in that, you know, as a coach, a supporter, a funder, a partner or whatever that is. And so, but it's to Eugene's point, they don't have to change. So it's kind of like, so, you know, where does the impetus come from? You know, where and, does that And my, my challenge always is, and again, depending on the company and the size of it in their portfolio, they're still very, you know, disease specific, right? And therapeutic um, specific. And, you know, if we look at back, bring the human back, right? Lots of comorbidities. I saw some stats, uh, I think 30, 40 million have in US alone have at least two diseases, right? So if I'm on one drug and from another company and how does it work together? And that's why I still think pharma is not the right player to have the holistic, you know, prevention, health management and all of that. I just, I, you know, just purely from that perspective. What do you think? Um, we're, we're going like, I think this will be our longest episode, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I about, can keep going. Uh, I've got you know, about five more minutes. If you want, we can keep going for five more minutes. He uh, wants to win. He wants yay. to be the longest show. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't do. mind. Of course, okay. of course. Come on. <laughs> I think we should go for it. So, Jim, you know, and Eugene, to your point. I used to think because I joined healthcare with a pharma lens, right? I joined healthcare working on pharma. I, when I joined Inventive, I joined working uh, for pharma companies. So it was Inventive had a CRO. We had marketing agencies. We owned GSW, Palio, Ignite. We had Chandler Kiko Public Relations. We had the outsourced Salesforce uh, business uh, that outsourced all the Salesforce for pharma. So my lens was all pharma. In the last two, I'd say last three years, I've got more and more involved with payers and hospitals. I do a lot of work with hospitals. And my world has shifted a little bit because when you talk to the doctors and the clinicians in a, in a hospital, in a cardiology center, pharma's number eight on their list of important things. Right. I've got a patient. I've got to figure yeah. out how to make them live. Their wife is yelling at me. You know, uh, I've got a nurse to do. I've got to put notes in. I've got to, and, and oh, yeah, wait, let me give you a medication here. Right. So it's fascinating yep. as you get involved in the and, ecosystem. That's when you figure out that humans are very important uh, right. in this equation. And and on top of that, again, and I, I, I think even in pharma, like around the adherence concept, there was the, 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 the conversation of behavior change. But again, if you loop this all back around, right, with the comorbidities, with the, the scenario that you just described in a hospital setting, how do you know as a patient you're leaving how do i help myself first Uh, and who helps me with how do i change my behaviors around all this right and again a pill is just a big a small piece of it that's right that's right what do you think jim i think yeah well you know so uh, the challenge is you know i think the challenge is adoption right yeah i think we know you know we we've got we've got a system that's clumsy and and stuck in its ways for good reasons that you want to be careful and cautious and you know so the challenge is adoption so um so who's adopting you know and how's that you know and how does that get you know where where do those kind of where does it seep in and who has the the incentives to put it in the place in place the fastest, right? Yeah. Sorry. 
But, you know, when I introduce myself, one of the things I say to clients is, look, I have a, you know, when I talk, just bear in mind, I have a very narrow lens. And my view is if it moves, digitize it, right? So it's heresy for the digital (laughs) guy who digitizes everything to start talking about the human equation. And the reason I say that, and I I use a live core as a prime example, a live right. call firmly believes as a company that they have no, they don't have a brand issue. They have a, a supply, a, a buying issue. They need more people to buy their product. And I keep telling them they have a brand issue. Right. People in California may know a live core, but the further away you go from the core, nobody really knows a live core or cardio mobile. When I show it to people, they go, Oh my God, that's amazing. Where'd you get that? Right. right? right. Number one, number two, the sales model is direct to consumer because they firmly believe that you will buy it for $189. Right. There's 31 million people in the US alone that have AFib. Yeah. So your customer base, is but, 31 but million. But not people. anymore. They just announced that JPM, they're going towards employers per employee per month. There you go, there you right? Go. That's the reason. Because yeah. after eight years of trying to sell it directly to Eugene, they figured out that Eugene's not the buyer. Actually, I was. I bought pretty much all of them. Yeah, this but, just fell out. But yeah, um, you're the Digerati. But but um, yeah. <laughs> well, I need some right. free marketing advice here. Then so so okay. So I I believe that 100. percent Like when I think about that, you know, when, when you when you want volunteers, you go to the church, right? Yeah, you know, you go exactly. to where the volunteers are. You know, you, exactly. you 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 know, you don't fight. And so at growing up in pharmaceutical industry. You know, you go to your KOLs, you go to the yeah. person that yeah. can prescribe 5,000 right. prescriptions versus That's someone right. versus trying to convince one person to buy. That's right. Um, and, and so, and then, you know, more recently, more recently, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that the consumer movement and the capacity, you know, with, you know, like, so I'm thinking about this omni-channel model, right? Mm. Like, so, mm. so our, the way we brought our product to the market is we brought it through pharmaceutical companies adopting it through patient services programs, right? repackaging it so a clinician could prescribe it. Right. And that, that's been my thesis Good. and my ethos. But very recently, I've been convinced there's a consumer play within our product. Interesting. I I'd love, I love to, I'm going to watch very, very carefully. <laughs> and if you need any I, help, call me. We'll I, I, I was, I was going to say that that's why he brought yeah, it yeah. up. Not, not, yeah. not because you, he wants you to sit there and watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted. To, I'll be delighted to help you, Jim. And, uh, you know, give me a shout and we'll be uh, happy to help in any way. So, so by the way, this is officially the longest episode, I, I think. Oh, um, no, this is, we've not, we have not gone over 58 minutes, which we have we now. We didn't even cover music. We didn't even cover music. That's, I know. Uh, I know. So much more. Well, I mean, we could pull a Tim ferris and go for an hour and a half too i don't know you want to clear your schedule <laughs> well let me just check what is on my diary next and then we'll be able to make that decision fairly fairly quickly i know that i had something i had to do after this unfortunately i do no 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 uh, we're just busting we, we no, want to we, we can always do it again or i can uh, you know just a big plug i'll be on jfsr.co.uk at 9 p.m this evening eastern standard time so if you want to tune in and listen to me spin live i'll be oh, on the radio so awesome. you're, spinning live. you're spinning live and then you do a sunday spin or something as well sunday is live as well both okay. are live but Amazing. the sunday one that get, then gets uh, so the sunday one i've been doing for five years so the sunday one gets distributed across podcasts and websites and soundcloud and mixcloud all over the place 
awesome. uh, the 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 one I do tonight is an internet. It's a ten year old internet radio show, yeah, radio company in the UK called Jazz Funk Soul Radio. So yeah. jfsr.co.uk, and that's nine pm to eleven pm Eastern time. So here's here's the one of the closing questions. So I I started this thing that when I arrive in my house at night, I I take Spotify and I play an entrance song as I walk in late for dinner, as I walk into the thing. So I have a playlist called Entrance, you know. No so, way, really? Yeah, yeah, so like, so I hit the Spotify and it coming in. So like, I have like, you know, so I've got my entrance music. Like, <laughs> like who let the dog out? I want to- No be, way. I want to- I love it. Get jiggy with it. You know, I've got the list. I've got the, you know, so they kind of, they can tell what kind of mood I'm in as I'm walking in the door. So you gotta give, you gotta give me a suggestion at some stage. <laughs> Oh, mute. Oh. Ritesh went on mute. He doesn't want to give you any suggestions. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I think somebody was calling him. But but Jim, while he's getting off mute, uh, you should share that list, or I'm going to try to follow it. <laughs> yeah, <it's all> <laughs> I'll find your list on Spotify. This is the exit song. <laughs> perfect, perfect love it love it love it love it that's the exit song that is the exit <laughs> longest episode ever amazing uh thank you ritesh and for the listeners and viewers hit that subscribe button keep yeah, keep spreading yes please subscribe eugene and jim need the subscriptions so thank you very much <laughs> guys thank you so much i'm sorry i could have i could have spent another hour talking to you guys same, i really uh, humble and sincere appreciation Stay in touch, Eugene. I know we'll stay in touch. Jim, anything you need, get in touch. Keep it human. Thank See you. Keep it human. That's right. Thank you, guys. See ya.